Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's podcast of Voices of E-Learning. My name is J.W. Marshall. I'll be your host today. And today's guest is going to be Steve Cornwell. He is the CEO and founder of NorthPass. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, JW. Good to meet. Good to good to be here. Uh, doing very well. Awesome. And uh, Steve is an experienced SaaS leader. He's got more than 15 years' experience building and scaling software companies from the ground up. And uh, NorthPass helps companies like. Airbnb, Uber, transform their learning and analytics programs into uh, world-class centers of excellence, which is a tall task, so we're excited to learn more about that. Uh, a little background on Steve. Before founding NorthPass in 2013, uh, he served as an ex- on the executive team of Edifice, uh, where he helped grow the business from uh, uh, early startup bootstrap to over 100 employees, and that led to an acquisition by SPS in 2013, and then started NorthPass. So we're excited to have you on with us, and to, to start out, if you could just give our audience a little bit more background on uh, yourself and NorthPass, and what led you to, to start NorthPass back in 2013. Yeah, sure. Happy to jump in and, and chat through that a little bit. Again, thanks for having me here today. It's great to be here with uh, your audience. So. Uh, back in uh, 2013, it was a really interesting time. Uh, we were we had scaled up our last business to a, a pretty decent scale, and one of the challenges that we were facing at that time was uh, training our growing network of suppliers and, and retail partners and, and our customers. And uh, we had been doing it manually through uh, uh, trainers, just just manual trainers going out. Uh, but quite frankly, we, we needed a better way to get that done. Uh, we needed to scale it more cost effectively, we, and we needed to provide our external audiences with a considerably better experience. Uh, around that same time, there's another track happening uh, out there, and there were sites like Coursera's and edX's and Udemy's coming up, and uh, they were aggregating all of this content. And uh, I thought that was really, really uh, inspiring. So when we looked at kind of bringing on uh, some type of technology to, to into our company to train our audiences, what we noticed was all of the systems were really great at solving HR problems, uh, but they were, were not meant uh, for turning learning into a product and distributing out uh, that externally and uh, really getting it out to an external learning audience. Uh, and when I looked at other organizations that were doing that, like the ones I mentioned, like a Udemy, like an edX, like a Coursera, they were doing that really, really well. It was beautifully branded, and uh, they, they had excellent consumer-grade learning experiences. So at that time, uh, that, that, that really inspired me. Uh, shortly thereafter, our business was actually acquired uh, by a much larger company. I went to work for them for a year, and they had the problem at considerably larger scale. Uh, so I knew it wasn't – that, that, that for me was kind of the, 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 the moment it made sense, the moment I knew it wasn't just a frustration within our small uh, startup, but it was actually a, a considerable enterprise problem. And so uh, after serving my, my duties at that uh, company who, who bought us, I, I left there and got uh, this business started. Uh, and, uh, and so that's kind of the, the founding background. So we've always been founded on the premise that uh, organizations need a, a better way, need a specialized way to, to educate and onboard these audiences that are external to their organization. 
Wow, that's a great story. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of change from 2013 to uh, 2020. Uh, and I know our, our audience is very eager to hear, you know, your take on what are, have been the biggest changes uh, kind of over that time span and then really the past six months during the pandemic, what uh, changes have developed or have accelerated uh, since uh, earlier this year? Yeah, sure. I think there's there's so many. I mean, that's it's been quite a, quite a span over the past six years. There's been a lot, but uh, I think that the past six months has really accelerated a lot of the inevitable changes that were taking place or anyway. So there's a couple that we can we can dive into a little bit. One is I think just the pivot from uh, instructor led to either virtual instructor led or asynchronous online learning. I think that's just been a, a really uh, consistent trend and the pandemic, the global pandemic has really forced that to occur. And I think that's really interesting because uh, there are different skill sets, that there are different methods or different technologies uh, to, to facilitate that in-person, that virtual online, uh, that, that virtual synchronous experience or that, that digital asynchronous experience. So I think that's been a really interesting one to watch. Uh, I, I think um, w probably the most interesting one to watch is that we're seeing more and more people uh, enter the, the learning space that are coming from business backgrounds. Uh, instead of traditional L&D or maybe instructional design backgrounds. And that's really exciting because that's expanding uh, the awareness of learning that's driving learning deeper into organizational cultures. Uh, and it's ultimately kind of uh, making the, 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 the long-time promise of learning, uh, delivering an impact in the business real because the line of business leaders are now uh, really embracing this uh, and driving this into their organization. And I think the, um, the, the, the pandemic has really accelerated that trend considerably uh, because with everyone having to move to a remote environment, um, there just simply wasn't enough uh, traditional training and, and learning resources to get all of the, the whole enterprise moving in a learning program. The line of business leaders have had to jump in, they've had to take control, they've had to take ownership, and they've had to get these programs up and running. So I think that's really, really exciting. And I think that's a great thing for uh, corporate learning as a whole. Um, I think there's, there's some other ones that are really interesting too. And that is um, that training, I think for a long time and learning for a long time has really been thought about as a, something reserved for large mature enterprises. And that's really changing. Uh, we see, uh, we, get, we have a chance to work with a lot of uh, small and mid-sized businesses, uh, some that are even you know, sub 100 employees and uh, sub 50 employees in, in some cases. And I think that's another really exciting change uh, in, in the whole world of online learning. Everything's just be, the, 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 the promise of online learning, the capabilities of online learning, the benefits have really become accessible to the whole spectrum of organizations. It's no longer just reserved for the biggest and most mature enterprises. So I, I'd say those are uh, th kind of three of the macro trends that, that I see that um, are making significant impact and, and are quite good for, for the overall market. And, and I can relate. I've been in education technology my entire career. I've led teams in sales, marketing, product development, um, and, and I see my career tra transitioning more and more towards 
learning solutions, online learning, uh, because as we like to say at market scale, education is undefeated. Uh, education is always a good thing. It's always going to be a great market, and uh, you know it's something that is going to make you know these companies stronger. Uh, to your last point about even small companies leveraging uh, online learning tools, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, our smaller clients really internally. Uh, work with the systems, but also externally to their customers. It's allowed them to expand their reach instead of having a training person or small training department doing the same training over and over again to some degree. Uh, They're able to now kind of make their customer experience better. Do you see that with a lot of your uh, customers as well? Absolutely. I think when you look at the, uh, when when you zoom out and you just look at the overall customer experience, uh, I think that both internally and externally, training is becoming a critical enabler to that customer experience. Uh, we work, uh, a large part of our business is within cons- the consumer services industry, so tech-enabled, tech-enabled consumer services, where an actual human uh, is the, the service. So that might be a dog walker, that might be a driver, that might be a courier delivering packages, that might be a technician repairing uh, a particular appliance. And when you look at that experience in that particular industry, um, that customer experience is very much the interaction with that person. And so uh, uh, customer experience leaders, I think, have a huge opportunity um, to embrace learning uh, as a critical enabler of customer experience uh, and really uh, use education as a way to uh, get their, um, their, their, their workforces up to speed, uh, get them on brand, on message, uh, just delivering that best in class uh, service and experience for the customers. Uh, and I think um, uh, it's just another example of learning being a critical and strategic driver of the business, uh, which is uh, quite a change from years ago when it, it was much more built for uh, compliance and kind of HR purposes for really protecting the company uh, more so than getting the, the front line fully engaged and enabled. Yeah, and the words that come to mind with that HR compliance, no offense to those of you in HR and compliance, but uh, those courses were boring, long, uh, just trying to get kind of by and, and move on about your day. And, and I think I've really seen a, a, a surge in creativity and engagement as we're creating courses, as our clients are creating courses. As you look at all the uh, online learning that's going on now, there's really what I'm calling the golden age of online learning is coming, uh, where you know it, it is online learning done differently. And so do you have any maybe examples from some of your clients on how they're using your system to go beyond just a voiceover PowerPoint and multiple choice questions in the in the courses. Sure. Yeah, I think there's there's so many interesting things happening uh, in this space, particularly with content creation. You know, we're seeing a lot of great work done with uh, with video, um, especially personalized video. You know, you may have received cards like a, a birthday cards right from some of the online sites, and it actually has an actor saying your name, uh, which I think is it, it, it's really amazing how using data and using video you can kind of inject. Um, uh, personalization in. Um, I think that on that point, personalization as a whole is a much broader uh, topic and uh, 
emerging uh, capability within the, the learning technology stack. And so we're seeing a tremendous amount of integration between systems of record and learning technologies to drive these highly, highly personalized and engaging experiences. Uh, so I think that's one of the, the biggest shifts uh, that we're seeing, one of the most exciting shifts we're seeing. We're also seeing more and more interactivity uh, come to the forefront uh, as authoring tools um, uh, and as just mobile and web-based tools become more dynamic. You know, the opportunity to present more interactive content and pe keep people engaged uh, and reach new types of audiences, like technical training, for example, where people actually have to interact with a, a device or a, an interface. Uh, these interactive components are becoming really um, powerful and enabling. So those are some of the things that I think are really driving the future of learning. Absolutely. And and also, I, I think it would be good for our viewers to know, our listeners to know, uh, a learning management system isn't necessarily in a vacuum anymore that you, you go over here to do this and then that's it. Um, a lot of learning management systems now are starting to integrate with uh, your Salesforce CRM or with your HR uh, IS system. We'll talk about some of the integrations that you guys have found uh, really valuable for your clients. Sure. Yeah, we, we like to say that um, with, with, with our product, with NorthPass, um, we like to say that we want NorthPass to be invisible to the learner, uh, but obvious to the business. And so what we like to say is that no learner should ever go, oh, I have had to leave my system of record, whether it's Salesforce or uh, their HR system or the proprietary app that the, the company provides them. They should never feel like they have to leave that and go to a learning management system. Uh, to us, that would be a big failure. Uh, and so we like to say that we're, we need to be invisible to the learner. So we need to present the learning that's on brand and it needs to be the right content when and where people need it uh, so that people can get in when they experience a problem or when they have a curiosity, when they have a question, they can get in and they can get out and it can be very, very seamless uh, in their day. Uh, and we like to say that uh, um, it, needs to, the, it needs to be impactful to the business because um, the, the learning is no longer just about kind of ticking the box and making sure that someone has um, demonstrated compliance with a particular policy. Now it needs to be more about uh, it, that too. Um, that's still relevant. That's still important, uh, but it needs to be more, right? It needs to be really driving the outcomes of the business. Absolutely. And we like to talk about performance outcomes are usually more important than just learning outcomes. It's one thing to know something. It's a completely different thing to know how to do something and demonstrate you can do it, which in the business world is, is much more important uh, versus maybe the academic world. Uh, and speaking of which, I, I know you're a proud Indiana Hoosier, um, but given the continued trend towards certificate programs, micro-credentials uh, in all areas, sales, marketing, UX, coding, um, what's your take on kind of the future for our colleges and universities? Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, is maybe there an increased role for vocational schools in this new post, uh, hopefully soon to be post-pandemic uh, world that we're going to live in? Sure. Yeah, this is an area that um, it's not directly related to, to our business, but it's an area that I'm deeply 
passionate about just as a more kind of societal uh, view. And um, look, I love uh, I love the university system. It's just been an incredible uh, uh, component of of our society. But I do think it faces tremendous pressure, and if, and it has to change, right? It's it's way too expensive. It's not accessible enough. Uh, and I think there's some uh, some some priorities within the system that really have to be scrutinized more. And, and so I think one of those, like right now, that the pandemic has shown us is how important is campus life? Like when you actually, when you strip away the entertainment value and the, uh, uh, of, of the students being on campus, how important is that? Uh, obviously community is important. Uh, growth is important uh, outside of the classroom, certainly. But, but is that animal house like environment really uh, uh, worth, um, uh, the cost structure and 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 worth the the consumption of time that that it is and uh, I think it's just the universities have to grapple with some of those questions and particularly right now within this pandemic I think that uh, universities need to really look at taking a more practical approach and looking at uh, skills training uh, a curriculum that produces jobs. Um, uh, relationships with the private sector for uh, partnership uh, and I think if they don't they're just going to continue to be uh, stretched um, for resources uh, that continue to become less accessible to, to the masses uh, and just have some real challenges in front of them on the flip side uh, I think the vocational schools have a huge opportunity uh, I think with people being more staying closer to home uh, in their local communities. I think the vocational schools have a real opportunity there. I have full confidence that the American economy is going to recover to full strength. Um, it's just a matter of time. And when that happens, there's going to be a major labor shortage again. And so there will be a skills gap. Uh, and I think that uh, the vocational schools have a huge opportunity to fill that as well. And technology uh, adoption and progress is only accelerating and I think the vocational schools are in a place to be much more nimble and adaptive to that to keep up with this accelerating pace of change so it's going to be really interesting to see uh, I think there's tremendous room for the traditional university but it does need to adapt and I also think there's a great place and a much bigger story for the vocational schools as well Absolutely. And there is, uh, if you listened to our podcast last week, uh, we actually talked about the, the four E's of uh, higher education, and that would be the actual education, the access to the subject matter experts, the uh, employment factor, you're going to school to get a job and, and advance your career, the environment, as you talked about, the social learnings that you would have, not just the fun stuff, but the leadership opportunities. Uh, and then the eminence, you know, the prestige of that degree and what that value is. And I think all four of those areas are really being tested right now. Uh, as you said, the value for a student, there's there's a lot of uh, talk about, you know, what's going to happen. Are these schools all going to make it? And uh, a lot of uh, people have said, you know, it looks like the top tier schools will be okay. They've got large endowments and they may actually even expand through online learning, through maybe acquisitions of other schools and the uh, 
community colleges, the vocational schools are going to be more prominent. It's really that middle tier that's got a high price tag and maybe not the prestige of a, uh, you know, a big, uh, you know, Division One school or an Ivy League school that are really feeling the time crunch. Does that line up with kind of what you're seeing as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. Awesome. All right. Let's move on back to kind of the professional side of uh, learning here. Um, as far as which markets or industries specifically are you guys seeing the most growth in and, and development right now? I think uh, every it's a great time to be in the, the learning technology market because every single area of it uh, is expanding. And sure, there have certainly been some industries uh, like the hospitality or the transportation industry that have really suffered in this time. And so I think they're trying to just deal with some more fundamental problems than, than online learning. But outside of some of these areas that have really shuttered from the pandemic, every other area, every other industry is really trying to figure out uh, how they um, bring learning uh, to their organization in this new world. So, um, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, one of the things that we're seeing is, which is really exciting and really good for the market is the, the business leaders are becoming more invested in training and onboarding within their organizations. Uh, and, and that's driving adoption across so many different industries. I think some of the particular industries that we have some insight to that we're seeing uh, a real change or a real uh, increase in adoption is industries that were once predominantly would do training in person, and now that's not even an option. It, it's just not, it's not possible. And so you have uh, industries like uh, retail, for example, right? In-store training, that, that has to be done uh, a bit differently now. Um, delivery and logistics, that has to be done differently now. Uh, In-home service repairs, that has to be done very differently now. Um, real estate, uh, that has to be done differently now. All of these industries where an actual uh, human is, is uh, providing a, a service uh, to the consumer that all has to fundamentally change and has to be done differently. And so we're seeing a lot of adoption uh, in, uh, of learning technology in some of these more kind of frontline driven industries. So what would you say are some common misconceptions around um, the use of learning management systems, online learning in general, continuous education in general uh, that our audience may be surprised to learn about? Sure. Yeah, I think we've we've touched on a couple of these points already, but I think one of them is how you know it's not just uh, reserved for the kind of traditional L and D in HR kind of compliance based functions. So I think that's that's one misconception. The learning learning programs and learning management systems are being adopted now across the entire enterprise uh, and uh, in so many different ways. So I think that is uh, a, a key piece there. Another misconception I think is that learning is learning programs are uh, large they're robust they're resource intensive uh, they take you know months or years to get stood up and that was true at one time but we live in a totally different world and where uh, systems have become easier to use uh, content has become easier to create um, and the the general appetite for the consumption of learning has really gone up. And so, like for example, when we're working with our clients, 
we always encourage them uh, not to build a huge program, not to wait uh, until they have the perfect course, but instead get started small. Uh, put together just a couple lessons, integrate just one system, uh, and, and pick a small group of users to get it out to, and just get the get the ball rolling. And typically, you can you can much to uh, the surprise of many people, you can really start to get uh, a flywheel going uh, against your learning program very uh, quickly by just focusing on uh, small little steps. Um, and, and then building up to a more comprehensive program in time. And we've found that to be a, a real winning formula because it, it gets value delivered earlier, people are learning faster, performance is increasing, behaviors are changing uh, at a much faster pace. And so, you know, I, I think that this idea that learning is expensive, it's for big companies, it's resource intensive, um, well, that once was true, uh, it's not necessarily the case anymore uh, for uh, in just kind of in today's landscape. Yeah, and I'll add one more to that and get your thoughts on it. But uh, learning is no longer a, a one and done. It's not a one time onboarding for an employee or for a customer. It really needs to be continuous. And, and I like to say, you know, your employees are out there learning every day every week they're doing linkedin learning masterclass they're getting that experience somewhere else why wouldn't you want to provide that in-house to your your team as well and and i feel like a good learning management system can allow you the ability to to create that content whether daily weekly monthly so that it's always fresh just the same way you would have uh, social media content or uh, things like that uh, and the courses don't have to be a 30-hour certification training right it could be 10, 15, 20 minutes, um, you know, once a day, once a week, micro learning, uh, and, and you're engaging your employees in a way that they want to be engaged. Um, is that something that you're also seeing a lot of your clients kind of take advantage of just diving right into that kind of uh, daily, weekly use of the system? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as you said, uh, the appetite for learning is, is skyrocketed because of some of these consumer platforms that make content uh, and training content available so easily, right? And um, people are going to to learn every single day, and so organizations have to decide what happens on their property versus what happens off property. And uh, I, I think that's a really important decision for companies to make and to really be thoughtful about, uh, because there's a real opportunity there uh, to um, own. Um, the essential content and the essential learning about the business. And uh, when organizations do that, uh, the, the business can really, really thrive. And, and you're right. It doesn't take a one-size-fits-all. Um, you know, a, a, a certificate program in customer experience uh, can look really different than uh, the, the, the sales enablement program for the third quarter product launch, uh, right? So uh, I think that that's also um, the, the flexibility in the systems and technology today allow for a much more kind of omnipresent delivery of, of learning, whether it's in big formats or small formats. That's great. And it, it allows for the 
democratization, the decentralizing from just uh, one person or one department, right? Every department can now uh, participate, create, distribute, you know, that uh, learning out to their departments, to their teams, to other departments. Uh, I think one of the really exciting use cases we see a lot as we work with B2B marketers is uh, these great content pieces that uh, we build for them. Uh, they would make into a mini course, maybe it's a document or a video, and send it to the sales team uh, as an assignment. They would consume that, answer maybe a question to knowledge check them, and a question about how are they going to use this content piece. And that's a much more efficient and effective process than just uh, emailing out, hey, everybody, we got this new great you know, content marketing video. You should uh, share it with everyone, right? You have no idea if they even opened the email, if they actually did anything with it, if they looked at it, if they understood it. Um, and so it's a simple way to kind of do some of the things companies are already doing. So it's not any more time. It's just a more effective and efficient platform uh, to be able to medium to be able to to ensure success, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, is that something you guys are seeing across the board as well? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, the marketers in there. I think the, the marketers and the marketing leaders are, are some of the most uh, uh, forward thinking and uh, in terms of the, the future of learning. You know, we're seeing a lot of customers uh, that have adopted learning into their market core parts of their marketing program, whether that's through their customer acquisition funnel, whether it's through their, their customer support process and their customer experience. Uh, we're seeing the marketing teams take a really, really big step forward with learning. That's great. And the sales teams as well. They've got some high performers. Now that high performer could have their own mini course that helps others, you know, on their sales team, things like that. Um, really is kind of a, uh, the sky's the limit as far as the different ways that uh, you have that accessibility uh, to to uh, always be learning uh, internally and externally, which is uh, what we really are promoting here on the Voices of eLearning podcast. How can we keep doing this uh, thing called learning better and uh, evolve with the times? So, Stephen, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you joining us today. Hey, JW, it's, uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, thank you very much. And to everybody out there listening, thanks for joining us, and don't forget to always keep learning.